Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Podcast. I'm Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is Richie Schneiderite. Richie, we're going to talk uh, what we saw in the Wagner game, talk a little recruiting updates because we had a, a pretty good contingent of recruits coming to the game uh, on Saturday. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. You can find reviews for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today. Make your first bet. You can use our promo code Believe Fifty B L E A V Five Zero to receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And uh, yeah, we're also sponsored by Adam Goldman. He's the franchise coach. Uh, basically, if you're just trying to change up your uh, your career and your lifestyle a little bit, and you kind of want to run your own business, um, Adam's the guy for you. He's a Jersey-born guy, Watchung Hills native, um, Watchung Hills alum, Night Report member, Scarlet Night fan, and he's he's been doing this stuff for over a decade now. So I mean, if uh, you want to reach out to him, it's a free consultation process. You could change your entire career overnight and kind of find your own American dream. So it's a uh, FranchiseCoach.net or uh, 844-800-3726. Awesome. Uh, so, obviously, played an FCS opponent last week who had lost 21 straight games, and we made it 22 straight games. Uh, Wagner was not a good team. So there's a lot of things you kind of have to take with a grain of salt from this one. But what did you see that you liked from the team on Saturday? Um, I mean, Evan Simon looked really good. Um, he, he looked like you, we said it off the pod or off the air. Uh, he looked better than Wimsat, like night and day almost. Um, that was a big gap there. Uh, Al Shadi Salam continues to be that home run, uh, home run uh, hit for uh, the running back room. Samuel Brown got a ton of touches, which was cool to see. You saw a little bit of a youth movement because he, these guys, I think they, the backups almost played more snaps than the starters in this game, which was kind of expected. Um, I would say probably the biggest surprise though of the day I didn't see Rashad Rochelle uh coming in as a running back and what running 11 12 times or something that uh, was surprising that, yeah With, yeah and I thought he was he looks slight at least when you're watching on TV mm-hmm. and I don't know what he was you know what he weighed in at in camp or what he's listed at but he can't be yeah. more than 170 pounds um, I think he's a little more than that. I think he's 180 now. Uh, he okay. showed up uh, in January at like 155. So, I mean, that's wow. a significant weight gain in, uh, what, six months? I don't know, geez, yeah. six months, seven months, eight months, whatever it is now. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I just it's intriguing to see him back there. And uh, I know Fonseca asked him at the presser about it, and he, he kind of just shied away from it. He didn't really answer it specifically, saying he's going to be a full-time running back or not. But the kid's so shifty, it, it makes sense just to get him on the field and get the ball in his hands and kind of go from there. But uh, overall, I mean, Rutgers kind of just dominated this game. I'm not too shocked. Was there a couple mishaps? Yeah, the interception was bad. Yeah, the touchdown that they gave up was was pretty bad too. But, uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, you, you kind of cruised a victory. And the weirdest thing is if you saw, like, three of those four touchdown passes, I think, or I should say all three of those touchdown passes, 
all three of them almost went in like the same exact area. Yeah, that, like, like it was all right 30, middle, forty yard bomb yeah. right there, and it's yep. like what? What the hell? Is, what's going on? But uh, yeah, they definitely exposed the uh, the Wagner defense pretty bad. But again, twenty two games in a row lost, so you kind of expected this. Yeah, um, I think it was nice that this, that Gavin was able to get a lot of a lot of game reps um, because just I think he got like two thirds of the QB snaps and. Simon got the other third because uh, clearly, I mean, he's a young guy. He's 18 years old. He should be in his first semester of college, and due to some quirks, he's in his second year. Um, I think he just needs time to develop. He's clearly got the best tools of the QB room in terms of combination of arm strength and and, and mobility, but that's not always, you know, that doesn't always equate to the best quarterback. I think Evan Simon clearly is that guy right now. Who knows how long... Uh, how long Noah's going to be out. I think it becomes interesting, you know, assuming we take care of business here this week, how we approach the Iowa game in terms of the QB snap distribution. Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting because I I want to say Vedril's probably not going to be back for Iowa, but I still think uh, Simon's going to have to get a majority of the reps. I mean, uh, we saw Wimsat make the same mistake uh, again that he did to Boston College. Like, he had time to throw, and he throws it in double coverage, and it's a stupid interception. Luckily, Rutgers got the ball back on the very next play, I think it was. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and Greg kind of highlighted things. that, too. Like, Greg made a point in his opening day press, or not his opening, the, the, I believe the, the Boston College post-game presser, he said, these guys can make mistakes, it's, it's fine, as long as we don't make those same mistakes moving forward. And then I believe in the Wagner post-game, he said something along the lines of, you know, that interception was very similar to the one he made versus Boston College which is kind of alluding to, you know, you can't be happy with him making the same mistakes in two straight games. So, and that's going to happen when you're young, but you really need to focus on kind of not doing the same mistakes over and over. Yeah, the, that that was a pretty bad one. Um, the, the other mistake I saw too, um, I know Max Mellon had that really nice interception in the second half, but the, the first half he, he got exposed on a, a little like, a little, I guess, broken play kind of type thing, but his legs were like... Uh, all twisted up, and he gave up a touchdown. The only touchdown of the game, but... And uh, Shiano kind of hinted at it, too, uh, on Monday when we talked to him. He said, like, Max should be playing at a different level. Like, he had a good game, but he should be playing at another level. He's that good. Um, we haven't seen it from him yet. Uh, he, it's it's going to be interesting to see how he... Uh, and I guess how he handles the Temple game, and then um, hopefully bounces back from this, and then goes into Iowa, who, I mean, has a pretty bad offense already, so he should have a good game there as well, but... He should be playing at a different level. Um, he's NFL good. It's just a matter of uh, putting it out on the field. Yeah, I do think um, one thing to really point out is I'm really impressed with how good the running game is this year. And that's mm -hmm. a combination of, I think, you know, Al Shadi Salam is better than I anticipated. And the offensive line is really getting the job done, especially in the running game. Like, we averaged on the season last year 3.6 yards per carry. And obviously, that includes the tough, the meat part of the schedule. But this year, I mean, we're already at 5.6 yards to carry. Um, and on the opposite end, our run defense is, I think, the best in terms of yards per carry in the NCAA right now. We're only allowing, yeah, maybe it's so. either the best or the second best. We're only allowing <laughs> 0.8 yards per carry on the ground. Um, and BC had a thousand yard rusher last year and Wagner is kind of something you don't really pay attention to, but it's gonna be tough for teams to run on us this year, it looks like. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Greg said it in preseason. He's got 10 defensive linemen that he's going to rotate in and out. He's uh, Efine Majay had, I think, the highest grade of the defensive linemen this week. Mm-hmm. And he was he's not even a starter. Like, Ahanatu uh, and Keontae Hamilton are handling that. Renee Congo looks good at times. Troy Rainey looked good at times. Um, Jordan Thompson, Kenny Fletcher is playing a lot of reps this year. Um, and I didn't even name the, the two starting edge guys, and Lewis and Bailey. They've all the whole D line has been very, very good. Um, now it's going to be up to them to keep it up in Big Ten play because that's where it's going to get a little tough. Yep, I do think one interesting thing looking at like the participation numbers, we're not really rotating in many offensive linemen. I think we're basically mm-hmm. playing like six guys right now with with Shifani coming off as the first guy to rotate in the interior, and obviously early in the season that's fine. But once you get into the meat of the schedule and injuries start to happen and guys get nicked up, it's concerning that they're not even throwing in some of these guys early on in, in the Wagner game. Um, just something yeah. to monitor. I yeah, guess. so I know it, it was interesting because I, I saw that too and I asked Greg about it on Monday. And he, he basically said, he's like, I don't have five starters, I have six. Chifani's basically a starter. So we kind of got that one down. They're rotating guards in. He said he does want to rotate tackles more. Um, obviously, I think Pierce is the best tackle of the group. I think Willie Tyler is the clear number two tackle. And then um, Kamar Missouri might be OT3, which which is interesting because he struggled at times versus Boston College. He looked better, obviously, versus Wagner, yeah. but it's 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 Wagner at the end of the day. Um, and then Gus Zawinskis is, is going to be your backup center. Um, but Ireland Brown's played pretty well overall, so there's really no reason to sub him in and, in and out. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that the odd man out that has to step up would be Missouri. Missouri has to figure it out um, when it comes to playing against big-time competition. Now, maybe this past week against Wagner gives him a little confidence boost, and then he goes into Temple, and it's another confidence boost most likely because their D-line's not that good either. Um, but then it's going to be up to them against uh, Iowa, and it's a very tough Iowa front seven. So then that's where things get interesting. For sure. Um, another area of the team that I think is playing well enough, but scary depth-wise, is linebacker, and we kind of beat that to death. But Powell looks really good. Jennings looks good for the most part outside of some coverage snafus that he's made. But we lose either of those guys, and the middle of the field for us is going to be a total nightmare. Yeah, that's that's where it's going to get a little interesting. I know Andrew Vince played a little DB in high school. Um, I think he's... Uh, listed as an or with Jameer Wright Collins on the depth chart, but uh, maybe you throw him back there. Daryl Diajawomi, I, I can't say. So somebody, somebody, every time. somebody uh, corrected us in uh, <clears throat> one of the podcasts. We mentioned him. It's Jumbone. Jumbone. Like, okay. Or it's well, like Jawbone. It's a lot easier than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's going to have to play some reps. He's already played in two games, so that's interesting. Uh, is Jameer Wright? Collins able to cover as a linebacker? I still think that's a big question mark. Um, you, you have Izian basically playing linebacker, but then he's too small to cover some guys like at times. So it's 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 really tough. You guys you got to keep these guys healthy though. That's the big concern right now. Um, if if these two aren't healthy throughout the whole season, then then you're in for some trouble. But as of right now, they're playing pretty well. And like you said, minus a couple snafus with Jennings and coverage, uh, he's he's been pretty solid. Uh, he's been a lot better than I thought he would be. Now this is where you wish you had Drew Singleton, though. For sure, him being that third, or obviously he'd probably start, but having like three experienced guys leading the the group would be awesome. Obviously, if we didn't yeah. 
lose Moses Walker, he'd be getting a ton of playing time as well. Yep. Um, so this is a position that probably will be a lot better next year than it is this year, based on both experience and guys getting older and healthier. Uh, yeah, but I think fair. one of the, the the shining positions so far is the defensive backfield. Like So many of those guys are yeah. really stepping up. Robert Longerbeam right now is ranked as PFF's sixth overall cornerback out of like 680 qualifying corners. He's the highest graded mm-hmm. guy on the team with an 87.0. Christian Braswell in limited actions got a really high PFF grade and mm-hmm. shown some really nice things. I think they're probably holding him back a bit uh, early on in the season as he recovers from that knee injury. Um, Max Milton's had struggles, but he's still a really high level corner. And then the safety play I feel like has been pretty pretty high quality between Izzy and Avery Young and Desig Manusen. Yeah, I mean, you kind of just hit the nail on the head. That that DB room we knew from the start was going to be pretty good, and it, they're living up to that reputation so far. Kassan um, Abrams had his struggles, but he last year he had a hell of a year, and I, I think he'll be able to pick it back up. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Shiano mentioned Carnell Davis at cornerback uh, on Monday yeah. as a guy that's kind of stepping up a little bit. So that's going to be something to monitor. And then um, who else is back there? Uh, Elijah Wall and Max playing a lot of snaps so far this season. Which uh, I didn't see coming, um, but he, he's obviously stepping up and uh, filling in as a backup reserve guy. But uh, overall, this DB unit's deep. It's good, and um, I think teams are going to have struggles. Like even in the Big Ten play, they're going to have struggles uh, passing on Rutgers. Maybe not when it comes to the linebacker coverage, but in terms of mm-hmm. DB coverage, they should they should have a. It's going to be hard for them. I'll put it like that. Yes, it'll it'll be a, a it's a formidable group now, and it's it's pretty deep and. Shiano is always specialized in developing defensive backs, uh, so that hasn't changed. I'm also really impressed with with Harris Simiak the two games. I know it's not really like a it's tough to grade what we did against Wagner, but I, I really liked what he was doing against Boston College, putting a ton of pressure on guys. And even though we didn't get the same sack numbers versus Wagner as we did against Boston College, I think we only had two sacks in the day. The guy was constant or Brad, Kragman Kargman, sorry, was constantly under pressure. Um, he was probably making a lot of early throws because he knew that he had like a second to throw the ball. Um, so I, I do think that Harrison Mack's done a pretty good job of confusing quarterbacks and generating pressure early on in the season. Yeah, and going back to game one, I mean, heck of a adjust halftime adjustments, and that's what he's most well known for apparently um, is his adjustments at halftime and or throughout the game in general. He uh, completely different team from the first half of BC versus the second half of BC. Um, they play lights out that second half, and uh, he, he's turning into a very good coach. Yeah. Um, and also, a guy we didn't mention, but I, th- I think he's played well in his limited minutes, are uh, Shaquan Moyle. He's another corner who is a highly rated recruit. Uh, I think out of Newark, he's West Side, right? Uh, yes, West Side. Was he, um, was he Al Shadi Salam's teammate in high school? No, uh, Al Shadi Salam was West Orange. He's West Side. Okay. So he was. Got it. I don't know if you remember Darius Gooden. He was Darius Gooden's team yes. in high school. Okay. Yes. Yep, Which well. I think he's at Maine now or something like that. Got it. I forget. But, um, anyway. but one one other thing I noticed on this this uh, the cornerback grading area of PFF, it's showing Thomas Samanko got a couple snaps in that <coughs> corner. Is he a defensive back again? I thought he was. Um, no. So they when he signed his uh, letter of intent, it said uh, I believe it said wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He was coming in as a wide receiver, and I think he switched defense within, like, a week. So, I mean, he Got went it. pretty quickly, okay. and uh, he played all spring as a defensive back, and he played defensive back, uh, obviously, against Wagner, uh, all training camp. 
So yeah, he's he's back there again, and I think that he has the higher potential on that side of the ball anyway. So that's actually yeah. probably the better move of the two. Oops. Got it. Yeah, you, he's only play, he only played two snaps from what this is saying. Um, yeah. But uh, so. We're going to have the Temple rival guys on this week for a pod, so we're not going to go too deep into Temple this pod. We're going to talk about them a lot next week. But high-level stuff about Temple. Um, ESPN's FPI, it's the Football Power Index. They're ranked, I believe, 124th out of 131 FBS teams, so they're not really a great team from what it looks like. They just replaced their quarterback last week with a true freshman who's Kurt Warner's son. Um <laughs> And we're, depending on what book you're looking at, between 15 and 18 point favorites in this one. Oh, it's uh, up to 18. I mean, I, I've just seen it at like 17 and a half, so I don't know the exact number. I don't want to. Yeah. I know it um, opened at 16, so now I'm kind of like curious. Yeah, I'll check on my sports book app. But, um, it wouldn't shock me you, if it was up, up to 18. Yeah, what are you hoping to see this weekend out of Rutgers playing at the Link versus Temple? Um, I don't want to say I want to see something similar to Wagner because I don't think they're as bad as Wagner, but I expect Rutgers to kind of dominate this game early and often, get a comfortable lead, get your get your key guys out of the game at halftime. Like, if you're up 14 to 21, I don't even – probably, probably want to get up like three scores at least, so 17-plus, I would say. Um, you probably want to get that lead at halftime and then kind of sit back and just relax. Run the ball, run the ball, run the clock. Um, I, I expect Rutgers to win this game pretty handedly. Um, I don't think this Temple team's good at all. Uh, it's tough for Stan Drayton, too, because he's got a, a weird roster. He brought in a bunch of Juco guys, but it is hard for all these guys to mesh right away. Um, your first-year head coach, you just benched your former four-star quarterback or whatever Dwan Mathis was. I think he was borderline four-star, if not four-star. Um, for Kurt Warner's son, who was really underranked, I guess. Um, so, so, I mean, you, you should win this game pretty easily. I'm not saying go out there and throw up 40 in the first half because I don't think that's realistic. I think the over-under mm-hmm. is like 40 in general. But score yep. score like 20, 17 to 21 in the first half, and you should you should be able to hold this tempo offense pretty easily. Um, but get those get those linebackers out of there. I, I hate saying it every week, but like bubble wrap them. Bubble wrap them, bubble wrap them, yep. bubble wrap them because it's, it's too risky to even have these guys out there on special teams. But... Greg loves his starters on special teams, so that's that's the other issue. Yeah, I totally would agree with that. I might have I might have been a little premature calling this a potential trap game when I when I looked into it the first time. Uh, I know some people are kind of like shitting on me on the boards for it, um, but EJ Warner did grade out really well in his 46 snaps last week against Lafayette. Mm-hmm. He, he had a grade of 88 on uh, PFF, <laughs> which is like extremely high. He made a lot of tough throws while getting hit. Like he just stood in there with some good poise and just took brutal shots against Lafayette, which might say a lot about yeah. Temple's offensive line situation. Um, we should win this game handily. It should be a great environment on the road for Rutgers fans because it's probably the easiest road trip to a, uh, an FBS opponent that Rutgers fans could make. So I, I hope we see a, a huge contingent of Rutgers fans there. I'll be at the game. Richie will be at the game. Chris will be I there. I think Greg. Well, Chris will be there. Well, I think Greg said that uh, they're expecting between fourteen and twenty bus loads of kids, and a bus yes. has roughly around fifty kids. So that's like a thousand students are going to be at the game, which will be huge. Um, so it'll just be a good time. The weather's supposed to be nice. Tickets are still thirty-five bucks. Like, I mean, if you haven't got one yet, it's it's a nice stadium. Like, it's really not that hard to get to. It's right off the turnpike. 
Yep. Um, it's thirty-five dollars to go watch like Rutgers play this year versus the Temple team that you're probably gonna crush. It's gonna be an enjoyable time. And then uh, we mentioned it off the air. They're also running uh, some kind of pregame party at the Xfinity Live Center. <clears throat> yeah, if you don't have a tailgate, um, you're already planning to do. They have an event going on for Rutgers fans inside Xfinity Live. And if you've never been to Philly for sports, all of their arenas are in the same area. Like basically, it's like giant like square they have the football stadium they have the wells fargo center and they have the baseball stadium and in between those there's this place called xfinity live which is like this collection of bars and restaurants that's all inside and they have like a kind of a pavilion area outside as well um so everything will be there it's a it's a really nice actual building um growing up from around here so definitely worth checking out if you don't have a tailgate planned um and then if we want to get ahead of ourselves here, assuming we take care of business, we were talking about this off the air, Iowa got announced as a 7 p.m. kickoff, which Huge. is the first time Rutgers will have a night game against a Big Ten opponent at home since 2017 with fans involved. That was the Ohio State game that Chiano came back for and was kind of giving, like, wide-eyed, like, holy shit, how did this place get so bad so quick kind of comments. Um... But just talk about what you expect environment-wise for that game, because I feel like that's going to be, and this sounds hyperbolic, but I really don't think it is. I think it's going to be like Thursday night Louisville, Thursday night USF type environment there. I take care of business this weekend, and I don't see a reason why it shouldn't be. Um, this is Greg's first game back as head coach with fans in the stands for a night game. So on top of that, it's the first one since 2017. And so something about the, the night atmosphere in New Brunswick or Piscataway, it's just, it's just a little different. Fans get a little more amped yep. up. Students get a little more involved because they're, they're drinking all day. But yep. uh, <laughs> but it's just uh, it's just going to be a really good atmosphere. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like a near sell out there. Um, I know I probably underhyped it last week, but um, after seeing them take care of business against Wagner again, it just kind of reiterates the fact that this team is pro is going to be 3-0. and I mean, we can look ahead. The team can't look ahead, but yep. we can look ahead. And it's uh, I'm, I'm really confident they're going to be 3-0 and off of another big win versus Temple. And then this, this the fan support just – I hate to say it, but there's a lot of bandwagon fans in this area. They and are. they're just going to come out in droves. And now it's going to be interesting because now you get the night game atmosphere, um, tailgating all day. It's, it's, it's just going to be a really good night – a really good – whole entire day event uh, at Rutgers at SHI Stadium. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of recruits on campus. Uh, obviously, no no one's confirmed anything yet, but there's there's going to be a bunch of big names for sure. Oh, yeah. I think it wouldn't shock me to see, like, a, a lot of recruits that were like, he's coming? Holy crap. Like, guys yeah. from, like, Mar like high-level like recruits from, like, the Maryland area, the, mid the central PA, the like, mm -hmm. upstate New York. Like, guys that weren't really giving Rutgers a look, but now that they like people and recruits are the same way as, as fans. They're they want to hop on the, the team that's winning. That's why you're seeing a lot more national recruits showing interest in the basketball program right now. We'll kind of get to that in a bit. Um, but at the same time, so many Rutgers fans have been disillusioned by just losing by 50 for every home game they go to. That like I get it. Like it sucks to like carve out seven Saturdays a year just to watch a terrible product, paying all this money, wasting all this time to support your 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 favorite team or your alma mater. But finally, Greg has Rutgers in a place where like you go into the stadium expecting to win. And I think we can expect that for Iowa, especially given how bad they look. Like Spencer Petras, 
ranks as currently the sixth worst quarterback in the FBS according to PFF out of 257 qualifying quarterbacks. He's been putrid. That offense has been awful. I don't know if you saw this. The uh, the the Iowa offensive coordinator is Kirk Fer- or Brian Ferentz, so Kirk Ferentz's son. Son, yeah. Um, and everybody's calling for his head. They're <laughs> basically saying it's like the worst offense they've ever seen, and they've been. I don't. You probably you're laughing. I think you might know what I'm talking about. They uh, they some Iowa fans have hired cameos to say like, yes. Hey Brian, I hear you're having a rough time at work. Um, you don't always have to stay with the family business. And this oh, is Bob geez. Stoops saying this. You don't have to stay with the family business. You're, you know, it's okay. We'll still support you, but hope you hope you do better at work. And then Fran McCaffrey, the Iowa basketball coach, did a cameo saying, "Sorry, Brian, I hear you're having a rough time at work. It is one of the best troll jobs I've seen all year. If you haven't seen it, we'll post it on the boards. It's really funny." I don't know if you um, saw it. I think they got Kirk to do it too. Unless he just kind of like bought into like oh the, the whole the whole thing. Didn't. I don't know, because it looked like he was at a press conference when it happened, so I'm, I'm a little curious if it was more like it just kind of happened, or he kind of made a joke about it, like, hey, Brian, you're having a lot of time. Or it could have just been the audio over his, like, uh, press conference video, too. But it, it did say, I saw something before that said, hey, we got Kirk. And I, I listened to the video, obviously. It's the same thing. But, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Uh, so... Yeah, it's going to be a great atmosphere, but I do kind of want to pivot to recruiting. Um, we obviously had a pretty good uh, turnout recruit-wise at the game on Saturday. Yes. Talk a little bit about what you heard from recruits coming out of the Wagner game. Um, so, interestingly enough, uh, they had a really top-name 2024 quarterback on campus, and A.J. Serace, uh Bob Serace, uh Princeton head coach's son. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling he's probably QB1 on their board right now, and he's, he's been to campus quite a few times already, and I don't want to say I'm going to put in a future catch yet, but like I'm, I'm getting close to it because he he's very, very high on Rutgers. Now, he hasn't really visited anywhere else yet. I think he went to Michigan State once, and that's probably about it. Like, he might have went to Pitt, too. I could be wrong on that. Um, but he, he's so close with Sean Gleason from his time when his dad was working or had Gleason working for him. Um He's been to like Princeton practices where Gleason was coach, and it's just they, they just really connected and bonded quite a bit. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's a couple other big names too. Kenny Jones is another one who I'm close to future casting, and Del Rain offensive uh, tackle. I think he's 6'6, 6'5, 305. Um, it's, it's good um, for Rutgers to get back down in South Jersey again, so that would be a really good early get. I think he's probably number 12 to 15 in state currently. Uh, I'm not exactly sure where uh, off the top of my head. Uh, but he has potential. He has potential to be like um, a Jasir Peterson type guy. Um, other than those two, Kenny, Kenny Woosley came over from uh, Imhotep Charter, which is a little interesting to me because uh, I obviously uh, have connections to Rutgers and Penn State, and he, he told Penn State he was going to go there as well, and then he ended up choosing Rutgers. So that's, wow. that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big visit for the staff to get there. Um, he did mention that uh, Rutgers is always going to be in top consideration for him. I don't know if that's more of like one of those, like, yeah, like they're, quote, local, they'll always be my top guys or in my top schools. But uh, it is good to get him back on campus again. And then um, arguably the, one of the top kids in 2025, I know it's crazy because Jalen Matthews is probably the top kid from Jersey. But um, maybe number two or number three, Michael Thomas from Donovan Catholic. Um, he earned his Rutgers offer this weekend. Uh, he, he was pretty excited about the visit. Um, he, he's already got Penn State, West Virginia, Boston College, Michigan. Um, they're, they're all after him. He's going to have a ton of offers when it's all said and done. But uh, 
very good to get back, him back on campus too. So I mean, overall, pretty pretty good visit list. Um, a lot of big names on campus, and then uh, like I said, I mean, this this one wasn't even anything compared to the one that they're probably gonna get for Iowa. I could see like all the big North schools coming down, bringing guys, and then uh, this weekend, technically Rutgers won't be there per se, but they're Rutgers is hosting a ton of big high school games this weekend as well. Yeah. Yep. So. That's the Battle of the Bridge, I think they call it. Yeah, that one. I think it's um, it's weird because New York, Erasmus Hall is playing a Maryland school. The Virginia school is coming up. Immaculata is playing Holy Trinity. So Dylan Bracewhite will be there. Uh, Josiah Brown. Um, the E-Hall kids. The E-Hall, I don't even know, trio, quad, quadruple group of people that are all have Rutgers offers in 2024. <laughs> um, trying to think who else. St. Joe's is playing St. Anthony's, so that means uh, Corey Duff will be there. Um, okay, I got the t- I got the full schedule. If you want me to read it out to yeah, you, yeah, go for it. So this is an all weekend event. So it's gonna be games Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. <clears throat> so on Friday, uh, starting at five p.m., you have Holy Trinity, um, which are the Fighting Lennies uh, versus Immaculata of New Jersey. <laughs> Fighting Lennies. Oh um, my god, he's got um, all of that. Yeah, and then at, at eight p.m., you have E Hall playing Rock Creek for Maryland. Um, Fighting Lennies two point yeah, uh, so on Saturday, starting at 11 a.m., they have Hudson Catholic playing Monsignor Farrell, which is a Staten Island school. Mm-hmm. Um, then at 2 p.m., we have Curtis on Staten Island playing St. Mary's Ricken of Maryland. Uh, Virginia? Maryland? Are they Maryland? It says Maryland on here. Oh, on the, it's on the Rutgers site, yeah. Um, at 5 p.m., you have DePaul Catholic playing Archbishop Stepanak, which is in White Plains. At, and mm-hmm. at 8 p.m. closing out, you have St. Joe's playing St. Anthony's on Long Island. Um, Sunday. Oh, go on. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, St. Anthony's is good for New York, but they're going to get blown the hell out by St. Joe's. Yeah. Yeah, St. Joe's, St. Joe's is a monster. Just, it's a different level. Sorry. Um, wrapping it up on Sunday, we have Cardinal Hayes from the Bronx playing Pope John at 11 a.m. Uh, we have Carnacy in Brooklyn playing uh, Life Christian Academy in Virginia. At 2 p.m. and then at closing it out at 5 p.m. on Sunday we have Lincoln uh, from Brooklyn playing ba- Bishop McNamara of Maryland. So, tons of really high-level recruits going to be on campus all weekend. Mm-hmm. These events are huge because it's such a it's a such a strong recruiting tool for Rutgers without having to really do anything other than offer its its facilities because yeah. these guys they, they don't have to visit on their own dime they go there with their team they're going to be there they get used to you know seeing everything it's kind of like a guided tour for themselves around the the football facilities so it it really is just like such a huge deal to get these guys on campus playing games even though it might not seem like it is yeah and i'm sure the staff's going to be paying attention friday night they're going to be paying attention especially friday night because they're they're one of their commits is playing and they'll embrace weight and then um they'll obviously go to philly saturday so they're going to miss a couple of those but uh They'll be back Sunday, and then they'll watch those games as well, I'm sure. Um, and you, you get first-hand views from your own stadium, and, like, you're right there. So, I mean, you don't even have to leave the office, technically. But a yep. uh, yeah, ton, ton of big names. Um, off the top of my head, just hearing those teams, I could tell you at least, like, 15-plus 15, 15 have Rutgers offers. So, I mean, if not more, I'm probably undershooting that quite a bit. But, uh, yeah, no, this is this is huge for Rutgers. And they, they should do this every year because this is not even the first event they did this year. This is the second event. They did the uh, yeah. Rumble at the Raritan and now Battle <clears> of <throat> the Bridge. Um, it's it's big for Rutgers just to get these guys on campus, like you said. Yeah, no, I think they've kind of unlocked a, a really awesome uh, event 
for all the area high schools because it's you know it's a lot of PA schools, it's a lot of Virginia, Maryland, New York, New Jersey. So it's a lot of the top programs in the surrounding area are coming up for these type of events. So yeah. I guarantee, you, if nothing else, we'll see it expanded in the future. Um, I do want to pivot to basketball recruiting because we had one of the top recruits in the country for the class of 2024 on campus this past weekend. It's his second visit on his own dime in three months because this wasn't an official. So uh, it wasn't official. It wasn't official. Okay, yeah, it sorry. Wasn't official. It, yeah. Okay. So it was his official visit. Um, his name is Arius Bailey, but he goes by Ace. Mm -hmm. uh, he's from Georgia. He's the seventh ranked recruit in the class of 2024. Uh, Tell us a bit about. He's a, it's, I think he's a six eight uh, wing. Tell us a little bit about him and what you're hearing coming following up on his visit. So basically, what I was told is like I know he's seventh right now, and I know Rutgers fans are like, oh, well, I heard his ranking's going to change. I know people are going to be like, oh, his ranking, he's running with the Rutgers now. His ranking's going to change. No, I'm hearing he's going to go like top three. Wow, like he's, he's he's that good. Like he's phenomenal. He keeps moving up. He moved up 19 spots in our latest update, so he was in the 20 somewhere, uh, 26, I think it was overall. But he, he moved up to seven, and it sounds like it's not done. I think he's going to keep moving up, and this is huge for Rutgers to get him on campus again. Um, he took an unofficial back in, what did you say, June, early June, and now he's uh, he's back again for an official. Um, I, at the moment, it doesn't sound like he has anything else like set up, technically. Uh, he did visit Georgia Tech, which was a weird one. I know Auburn's making a heavy push as well. Um, obviously, with most of these SEC schools, in terms of hoops, you kind of got to watch because they're they're a little tricky in terms of like mm -hmm. off the court stuff. Um, hence, Arkansas and Bayfall. But we're not yeah, dollar sign for the SEC. Yeah, that's that's how you spell it now, pretty much. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to get him back on campus. Uh, Davis is uh, supposed to talk to him today. He also has an interview with his head coach as well, so that's going to be up shortly. Um, it does sound like the visit went really, really well. Um, there, there's not much else to it. It's just the Rutgers is getting these top guys on campus. They're showing them a great time. Um, and it sounds like they're they're really in it, in the thick of it for most of these guys. And then if, imagine him and like Dylan Harper in the same class. That would be insane. Do you know what the connection here is between Ace and, and the Rutgers staff? Because, <laughs> I mean, it might just be recruiting them well, but I, usually there's like, you know, TJ Thompson knows his – AU coach because they went to college together, that kind of it's, stuff. So you know if there's a solid connection? Yeah, I forget what it is exactly off the top of my head, and I'm, I'm going to remember, I know, as soon as we turn this off. But uh, <laughs> it's something to do with Brandon Knight and his family, I believe. Um, okay. I don't know what the exact connection is. i got, I got to go back and look it up because I had it written down, and I just can't remember for the life of me. But, uh, yeah, it's something to do with Brandon Knight. And Bra Brandon Knight's, hell, he's earning his paycheck right now. I mean, everyone yep. kind of criticized it a little bit, even I think I did a little bit because it's like – 700K is a lot for a guy that like didn't land anyone significant. Then Gavin Griff gets committed, top 30 kid. Then Papa Conte is like seriously considering him, top 100 kid. Now you had the number 12 kid on campus last week. You had the number seven kid on campus this week. Like it's like oh shit, all right, never mind. You you get it, you earned it. I'll eat crow on that one. You you win. Yeah, and that's a a, a natural progression here. So Papa Conte just returned back from Senegal, where, his, where he grew yes. up and where his family is. Um, he was rumored to be looking to make a commitment after, shortly after he got back. It sounds like that has been pushed back, though, and he's going to take some more visits. Um, Davis kind of posted an update on that, but tell us a little bit about where Papa Conte is at right now. So he was going to decide in fall, but that's not going to happen anymore. It sounds like he's going to decide in almost winter time, like November, December type area. Um, 
he's uh he wants to take visits to revisit all the schools he already went to, which is interesting mm-hmm. to me because now you got to pay. Is that going to include his family, like the official visits? You think? Uh, I don't know if he'll include his family per se. Uh, he hasn't really said, but uh, I know the Griffs are technically the ones taking him on all these visits or going with him on the, on the official visits. So I would assume they would probably go with him again. Um, he's, the Griffs are his guardians, which is huge for Rutgers' sake. Um, I know Steve Peichel's there today to watch him uh, work out or whatever yep. the preseason uh, practice, whatever. Um, and this is the second time, second pra- open practice in a row Rutgers has attended at South Kent mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I think T.J. Thompson was up there last yesterday or the day before or whatever. Okay. Um, but he does want to take an official visit to Memphis, which isn't too surprising because the Rens director, New York Rens AAU program director. Um, and his head coach of the under-17 team is now hired by Memphis. Tricky move by Penny Hardaway, but, I mean, get, yep. uh, good for him because it, it might work out for some guys. I don't know if it'll work out for Papa Conte or not, but uh, it's it's going to be interesting because it sounds like he's going to visit Memphis. It sounds like he's going to visit Rutgers again. It sounds like Michigan's starting to fall behind a little bit, which is really, really good for the Scarlet Knights. But uh, it's kind of just a wait and see. I mean, um he, the, apparently he hasn't been home in some type, some years. So now like it's, three years. Yeah. yeah. So he went back home. He saw his parents for the first time. I mean, think about it. Seeing your parents for the first time in three years and you're 16, 17. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. And then you got to make a decision. Like it's, it's not going to be imminent. Like we thought it would be, but, uh, now it sounds like he's going to take some visits and some revisits even, and then, uh, go from there. So I, I do want to touch back on 2024 again because if you're looking at the top 50 recruits in, in the country for that for that class, mm-hmm. there's so many with local ties. Like Ian Jackson, the number one recruit in the country. He goes to the uh, Cardinal Hayes in the Bronx. Nasir Cunningham used to go to um, uh, Paul Mulcahy's old school, and now he's yeah. transferred to Overtime Elite. He'll probably not go to college. Uh, probably go straight to the G League, but... Yeah, um, Ace Bailey were recruiting. Elliot Cudo used to be at uh, Boston or Bergen, Bergen? Catholic. He, yeah. yeah, we have uh, Boogie Fland is from Archbishop Stepanak in, in White Plains. We got Dylan Harper, obviously. Um, further down the list, we're recruiting Donnie Freeman, who's 24th in the country, really heavily. There's another kid from uh, Bergen Catholic, I think ranked 46. Terry Copeland. This is a really deep class for this area. And we're in it with some of these kids. Not all of them, obviously, but who who out of that list that I just kind of went through, other than Dylan, are we most in with right now? I'd probably say uh, Dwayne Pierce is one that you got to keep a really close eye on. He's a New York guy. Um, he's, he's, he's 63rd very, in the class. Yeah, he's, he's yeah he's pretty high on Rutgers. I know he visited for an official or unofficial uh, June, July. I'm trying to find the list right now, but uh, yeah, I mean he he's one I would keep a close eye on. Tyler Betsy's one I would kind of monitor i don't think he's going to end up at Rutgers. he's unranked right now but he has a bunch of different offers um i'm trying to think off the top of my head there's someone else i'm missing too um trying to pull up the offer list real quick but uh i mean dylan would be the main target at the moment and then Eric, east bailey getting him on campus is huge um let's see who else delquan warren Rutgers just went and saw yesterday a, a pennsylvania kid out of erie pa uh i don't think he's ranked in the top 100, but I think he's 115, 116, something like that. Yeah. Um, he's one to keep a close eye on. Uh, who else is on this list? I know Kin, I might be pronouncing this one wrong too, Kin Pong out of Christ the King. He's not ranked right now. He's a, probably, he's listed as a small forward. I don't know who put him there because he's 6'9". It's like a power forward in my opinion. 
But uh, his guardian mentioned Rutgers the other day, uh, along with Michigan and Seton Hall and a couple other locals. But uh, I mean, the other that's that's pretty much it for the most part. It seems like they're going, they're shooting for the stars with this one. And if they do land like a Dylan Harper, partnering with like a, uh, a Delpon Warren or I mean, Gavin Griffiths will probably be on campus by then. Um, should say probably will be on campus by then. And then maybe you get lucky. Maybe like Tyler Betsy, who a kid who's probably considering like the Blue Bloods, just maybe reconsiders. He's like, hold on, I can go play with Dylan still and play with the same AAU team. And they'll hold on, wait, maybe they got Papa Conte too, and we can we can just run the New York Rens back and just run them in the college yeah. level and see what happens. So I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. I think Rutgers is doing really well right now with a lot of top level guys, and uh, it's 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 going to be intriguing to see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Um... That, that class of 24 could be the best class in Rutgers history when all is said and done if things break Rutgers' way. Do you yeah. see Dylan as, like, the Pied Piper of that class? Like, if he comes, he probably brings two or three other super high-level guys with him? I think originally when you asked me this question, like, a year ago or maybe six months ago, I probably said no. But now Dylan's exploding into, like, one of the top prospects in the country. He's a five-star prospect now. Yeah. Um, so I'd probably say, yeah, I mean, I think there's a really good chance that he uh, could be that guy. I don't know if he'll be the first one to do it necessarily because I guess you can argue mm-hmm. Gavin Griff's kind of started the trend. And then yeah. if, he, if yeah. he could somehow snag Papa Conte, then that's huge for 2023. And then we're already talking 2024, and we're nowhere near done with 2023. Um, that's so 2024, I mean, Dylan could be that guy to start the things off. I don't know if he's going to be ready to commit early or not. I think he's going to try to wait out, at least wait until after his junior year, just to see like what who else offers. I mean, he just got duped the other day, I believe. Um, how serious is that? It's hard to tell, but um, Memphis is pushing him. Indi- Memphis was in the C. Dillon yesterday, I think. Auburn's pushing. Indiana's always going to be make that big push, even though it's kind of a weird one with uh, the hatred between Ron and Indiana. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to say this confidently. I don't think there's a better time to be a Rutgers Hoops fan right now than, like, ever in the past since they made the final four probably yeah it recruiting like is that high like yeah. it's yeah it's like that high right now and Pykel might even he, i shouldn't say might he probably does have another ncaa team and i don't know if you saw this morning someone i don't know who the guy was but i quote tweeted it from the Rutgers rivals account he uh he's like he listed all the programs in every conference and where he kind of ranks them all and he's he's like Rutgers and purdue national title contenders and i'm like I don't know if I go that far, but I mean, they're, they're, that's that's kind of a little out out there. But uh, I do think they have a very very good team, and I think they're going to be. Uh, I'm an idiot, by the way. I'm just going to take that back. Ignore everything I just said for the last ten seconds. Uh, I just realized that <laughs> that wasn't hoops. That was uh, women's soccer. So got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was going to say there's no way, but uh, I do think they make the tournament again. I think they're a very good team. I think Cam Spencer's really good, and I know Peichel's not a big advocate of the portal. But he's, he's used it pretty well so far. I mean, yeah. Hyatt, you kind of could be the bust of the group in terms of transfers, but he's still a starter. He's still producing a little bit. Um, I think Cam Spencer might be your leading scorer. Um, I don't want to dive too deep into hoops, but this, like I said before, this is, there's no better time to be a Rutgers Hoops fan than right now. Absolutely. We'll have a ton of more basketball coverage as the season kind of creeps closer and closer, but... Uh, yeah, Rutgers seems like it has a really good team. Uh, John Rothstein was there last week, and he did his mm-hmm. typical, like, puff. I mean, he puffs up everybody, so it's not like yeah. he's just doing it for Rutgers. But it sounds like uh, he liked what he saw. And um, he, the, the one thing I thought was interesting is what he said about Derek Simpson, where 
he's like he said that Rutgers hasn't had a guy like with his like physical abilities ever or maybe recently but mm. you have Corey Sanders obviously who is one of yeah. the freaky more freaky athletes I've ever seen in a Rutgers basketball uniform Jacob but Young sounds pretty, like pretty good too Jacob Young was extremely fast so I think yeah sounds like Derek Simpson's got some potential and he's shown some things in terms of these practices that people like so yeah most definitely all right, so we kind of covered a lot of ground here. Uh, Richie, is there anything that I missed? Anything you wanted to hit on before we sign off? Uh, there is one thing. Okay. Nebraska obviously fired Scott Frost. Um, yeah. It, they have a couple Jersey guys on the roster. It's not crazy to take a little peek and see what might be going on portal-wise. I know it's a little early because none of them have entered the portal, but you got to start speculating a little bit. Makai, uh, I might be pronouncing this wrong. Makai Gabor, okay. uh, Irvington yeah. guy. Um, redshirted 2021. I don't think he's played yet in 2022. Obviously, it's only two games in, but uh, I think he was pretty highly ranked. He was like a high three-star for rivals. Um, it, you need linebacker help. It's not the craziest thing right there. Do you revisit like a Jaden Gould type situation? He's out there in Nebraska. Ramir Johnson, running back. Uh, he's, I think he was their starter last year, but I think he lost the job this year. Probably don't need a running back, but it's something to monitor. It's a Bergen Catholic guy. And then the most intriguing one of them all that wasn't mentioned in the transfer portal article that we posted, or I posted on the boards, Rutgers doesn't have a 2023 quarterback. William Watson, Connecticut native, I think he's playing up in Massachusetts right now, um, is a Nebraska commit. He's um, the number six dual threat in the country. He's a little on the smaller side. I think he's around six foot. He's listed six foot. He's probably smaller than that. But I saw him at the Rivals camp this year at Pennsylvania, and he, he looked pretty damn good, pretty accurate. I don't think it's crazy or out of this realm that you might reach out if you're Rutgers. Now, Rutgers hasn't offered technically, um, but they did host him on a visit last year. I think they hosted him again this before he committed. I don't remember when he committed. I think January. He, he probably, or February committed. I think January they might have hosted him, but I could be wrong on that one too. Um, but he's something, something to monitor because you haven't really had much luck with 2023 recruiting. Now, would he even be entertained the idea? Maybe, maybe not, because there's probably a couple schools that probably have reached out to him already. Um, plus, if you're like going to tote the fact that uh, you have two freshman quarterbacks and those are the future, it's going to be hard for you to convince another guy to come in but and compete. Uh, but it's, it is something to monitor. I think William Watson's an intriguing one. If I'm Rutgers, I'd probably I'd put a, a feeler out there, too, and see what's going on. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's going to be a lot of... Uh... There could potentially be a lot of dissent going on there very shortly because they play Oklahoma this weekend. They're already one and two. If they get their doors blown off by Oklahoma, they're one and three. No coach, bunch of guys. They had, they were one of those teams that really hit the transfer portal hard this off season. So I could see a lot of guys just entering the portal, preserving their year of eligibility, and kind of moving on to the next one. So uh, we'll see. It's, it's a very interesting situation to monitor given how soon we play them. Yeah. True. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in once again to another edition of the Night Report podcast. We are signing off.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.